Welcome to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We want to be a place where you can own your faith and take next steps in your relationship with Jesus. Maybe your next step is to seek out community and join a movement group. Maybe it's supporting movement financially for the first time or using your gifts on a volunteer team. Whatever God is calling you to do, our prayer is that you will step out in faith and let him lead you. For more information about your next step, please visit movementcolumbus.com. All right, I am, uh, I'm in the, the category of people that are going sledding this afternoon. We didn't get to go yesterday, so right now all of my kids hate me, and I'm suffering from a large uh, dose of dad guilt, but we're going to make it happen today. We, we shoveled the driveway at 6 a.m. so that we could be ready, and uh, we're, we're going sledding this afternoon. If you want to go with us, you're invited. You have to bring your own sled, but just holler at me later. All right, we'll talk, and we can, we can make that happen. So uh, we are, we're in week two of a series uh, called Next Steps. We're, we're in this series because uh, we believe that, that God uh, has been uh, growing Movement Church and, and changing our church over the, the last couple of years. We, we started six years ago as a church, but about 18 months ago, uh, we sent about 25% of our people over to Gehanna to start Three Creeks Church. By the way, they'll have their, uh, their first birthday here uh, in a couple of weeks. We're super proud of our babies and we love them, uh, right? But, but we know that God used that time of, of sending to really change us as a church. Uh, a lot of new people have come to movement. We started two services this last fall. And so things kind of look uh, a lot different around here. We know that about one in three people have been here uh, maybe less than a year, a little over a year. And so uh, there are just some conversations and things that we want to make sure are still part of our, our DNA and things that uh, we're still keeping ourselves focused and, and guided where we want to be. Uh, we know that Hilliard is growing. We know that Columbus is growing. We know that our church is growing. And we believe that God has more for us and wants to use us. And so we want to just have some conversations that will help us really uh, be foundational leaders as God adds to our number and as God builds uh, a church uh, on, on top of our, our shoulders, as using us as the foundation. We want to make sure that we are ready and that we're, we're focused. And so the, the focus of this series has, has been this line that faith through discomfort is the obedient practice of a growing Christian. So we're talking about things that often require faith. Last week, we talked about sharing our faith. We talked about evangelism, something that we know that we should do, but something that sometimes stretches us in ways uh, that we don't always appreciate or always want, right? We know that sometimes we have to trust God in that and watch him provide. And so today we want to continue talking about something that makes us uncomfortable. And we, uh, Trigger already alluded to it, but we're going to be talking about giving. We're going to be talking about our finances. So I feel really awkward, like you're all our judging me. You're like, Mark, I brought my friend to church today, and now you're going to talk about giving. That's a stereotypical thing that pastors do. So maybe on the count of three, you can just let out a moan, and we can get this. I just, oh, just like a, a groan, right? So I can, I can know the, the room. So maybe just one, two, three. Okay, all right, good. All right. Only one guy hates me over here. We won't say names, but we, we got it out, right? So uh, this, is, this is a conversation that, like I said, some people think is awkward. Uh, we think is so vital uh, and important because uh, we know that in this, in this time in our place in history that money uh, is really what you need to, to exist, right? It's an essential part of living. We use it for life. We buy clothes. We buy our food. We, we pay our rent or our mortgage with money. It's, it's everything that, that we, we do and everything we know is accomplished with money. And because it's so necessary, money causes this huge range of emotions, right? Sometimes money is associated with joy. Many of us associate money with stress. Some of us associate money with a government shutdown right now. There's all kinds of things we associate money with, right? And money just brings about these emotions. And Jesus knew that, right? He didn't, he didn't talk about money because he was like, uh, someday in Hilliard, they're going to need to hear about money. No, he knows that money is not a Hilliard thing. It's not an Ohio thing. It's not a modern thing. It's not a North American thing. 
It's a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a human race thing, right? Money is something that, that is vital to our existence and something that directs our hearts. And so Jesus would often teach in parables. 13 of his parables were about money. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about marriage, more than he talked about heaven or hell, and more than he talked about prayer. And even as I read that, I'm like, is that right? Yeah, that's, that's right, because money was a topic that really directs our hearts. And so to give you some, uh, some context, today we want to look at a conversation and a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12 and see what it has for us. So if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to to turn there to Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one under your seat or around your seat. You can pick that up. And if you don't have a copy of God's word, that is our gift to you. We'd love for you to take that home to have and to study and read. We're going to be on page 794, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 34, page 794. And in the context of these verses, Jesus has been talking to his disciples, talking to his followers, and he's been reassuring them that that they can trust him, right? That there's a lot going on in the world, but they don't need to fear what's going on. They don't have to fear the Pharisees, the religious people. They don't have to fear what's happening in the government. They can look to him and they can trust him. And he's assuring them that I'm your provider. I'm your protection. And yet as this chapter and as this section is progressing, there's a, there's a conversation that comes up and, and this kind of takes a turn here. So let's read this together. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It says this. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed, Life is not measured by how much you own. See, in the ancient world, the the, the father was kind of the the patriarch of the family. And so we can assume that that this guy that's kind of having it out with his brother right now is is a part of a family where the father had recently died. And the money would not be passed on to the mom or or to the sisters. The the money would be passed on to the sons. And specifically, the the money would go, uh, half of that money or a double portion would would usually go to the older son. And so this is clearly that, that second son that's like, do my parents really love me? He's kind of mad about this. Some of you are that middle sibling, that second sibling. And so you know how this works, but he's saying, hey, I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. And can you, can you settle this argument between me and my brother, Jesus? And Jesus looks at him and says, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a lawyer. And instead of, instead of answering this question about this specific financial argument, he looks at him and he calls him to this greater purpose. And he says, you need to guard your heart. He's looking at this younger brother who's upset about what his, his older brother got. And he's seeing this guy is struggling with greed And he's saying, guard your heart. He's looking at him, he's saying, you're lacking faith. You're lacking gratitude of what your father gave you. And that's a problem. See, here's how how this would work. The father would have worked hard for his whole life. Maybe he had a business, maybe he had an empire, maybe he had animals, he had a lot of stuff. He earned that money, he built that business. All the money was the father's. The dad had everything, the dad had produced everything and he chose to pass that on to his sons. Now, the amount he gave to son number one, the son did not deserve that in any way. It was the father's money, and he chose to bless him with that. The money that that the dad gave to son number two was not that son's money, and he hadn't earned that in any way, and yet the father chose to bless him. Neither son deserved the money. The dad had no obligation to give them any of the money, and yet they were mad about getting this money that wasn't theirs, that they hadn't earned and they didn't deserve. Now you can see why Jesus is mentioning their hearts. 
He's telling them, you don't deserve anything. You're being greedy. You're not being thankful. You're not being grateful. Be on guard and check your heart. And I'm sure you can see that in some way, this story begins to apply to us, right? Because, because our father has blessed us. Not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, but our heavenly father, God, our father has blessed us. And yet sometimes we look around and we think, no, no, I still want that. Or I want what that person has. And so Jesus is illustrating this story. And to help people understand it, he, he goes into one of his parables. He says this in verse 16. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That sounds kind of like American retirement. I digress. Okay, we'll keep going here. I have all that I need and more. This guy's thinking, I'm just going to work. I'm going to get a little more and then I'm going to sit back and I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to build bigger barns and more barns and I'm going to hold all my stuff and it's going to be great and the rest of my life, I'll never have to work or produce anything or do anything. And here's where the story takes a turn. Verse 20 says this, but God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. The word fool is not used lightly in the Bible, and yet it's, it's used to describe this man. God says, you want to eat and drink and be merry and worry about yourself? The guy's like, yeah, that's what I want to do. God says, all right, your life's going to be demanded from you today. There's no reason for me to have you on this earth if you're not going to honor me in your time on this earth. And Jesus puts out a warning to his audience. He says, we shouldn't just store up for ourselves things that, that are for us, but we should be rich toward God. And that's kind of a, a phrase that I think you've, you've maybe heard or, or maybe we use sometimes. Be rich toward God. And it sounds so good. And we can put it on a t-shirt, but I want to outline very clearly what that means. Jesus was asked one time, what does it mean to, to love God, to follow God, to be rich toward God? And he said, he wants us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he wants us to love our neighbors as ourselves. But what does that practically look like to live out? to be rich toward God. Well, I want you to know when you're close to God, you'll use your money and your, your things on things that are, are close to God's heart, right? When you're being rich toward God, you'll use your money on things that are close to his heart. When you use your abundance to proclaim the name of Jesus and build his church, you're being rich toward God. When you use your money to do justice and to love mercy and to bless people so they can know God, you're being rich toward God. When you love someone, you know what they love. You know what's close to their heart. And you love them in, in that way. Some of you know that my, my sons are really into building model farms right now. I don't know how that happened. I didn't try to help them in that in any way, but that's, that's their life. That's what they do, right? And so when they go to bed some nights, I have to get on YouTube and look up model farm because I don't know anything about that. And so uh, for Christmas, my son told me, he's like, uh, dad, I want, a, I want a static grass applicator. And I was like, you do? Okay, good, good. I had no idea what that was. So I looked it up and it's basically like a battery operated fly swatter that somehow drops this grass and makes it look like a model farm on a piece of foam, right? That's, those are my words. That's how I say it, right? But, but when he goes to bed, I watch YouTube videos on static grass applicators. And when we're getting ready to build his model farm in the next few weeks, I'm going to be ready. Do I 
naturally want to use a static grass applicator, build a model farm? Not necessarily, right? But I want to do those things because I love my son. And when you love your heavenly father, you will love the things that he loves. You'll give generously to the things that he loves and you'll work towards the things that he's passionate about and the things that he wants to see happen. But there's an issue that that keeps us from being rich toward God. And we're told in this story to to guard against it. See, the issue is is not wealth. The issue is greed. So how can we guard against greed? Well, here are some some motivators for greed. I just want to outline these things that might be things that that are holding us back today as we have this conversation. Sometimes we have a false understanding of wealth. This guy felt good about building barns because he, he probably really thought that he was the one that had built this business, right? I've worked hard. I've done this. I've hired employees. I've built this empire. I'm the one with a business mind. I knew when to buy and when to sell and when to build and when to trade and And we do that same thing, right? We think I've earned this. I work harder than other people. I put in the hours. I knew when to jump to a new industry. I knew when to take that promotion. I knew when to not partner with that person. I knew when to not go in on that business. I'm the one that went and got a master's. I'm the one that have done this work and I've built this and I'm the reason that I have this job. And yet this metaphor of a a farmer couldn't be more accurate because the, the most successful farmer in the world does not control the weather. He doesn't make the sunshine. He doesn't make it rain. He doesn't make seeds grow. He might, he might like to think he does, but there's a lot of things that are out of his control. And there are a whole lot of things, some would even say everything in your life and in your career that are out of your control. Everything you have is because God wanted you to have it. Every blessing that you have, every property that you own, every dollar that you've earned, everything that has ever come into your life, every blessing in your family is because of God. And yet we think that our wealth comes from us. I don't want to offend you today, but I want you to know that your wealth doesn't come from you. Second way that we can be motivated by greed sometimes is is just selfishness, right? We know what we have, but we want more. I don't know if you caught this, but the, the first verse of that passage said, there was a rich man, right? So out of the gate, this man is being described as rich, not comfortable, not above average, rich. And yet the first thing that he thought is, I need more. I need to be a little more comfortable. I need to have a little bit more stuff and I need a little bit more in my barns. Oh no, actually I need bigger barns. That's, that's what I need. That's what I want. We kind of always want more, right? Because we're chasing this third thing here. We're chasing this false sense of security. And that's how we can know that we're motivated by greed. How do you know you're chasing a false sense of security? Well, how many of us in here have ever thought if I could just make $10,000 more a year, I'd be good, right? When I was in college, I thought if I could eat at Chipotle twice a week, I could be happy, right? And then, and then when I got married, I was like, oh man, if I could just make this so that we could get a house someday. And then I made that and then we got a house. And then I thought, oh, if I could just make this and we could have kids and then we did that and then we were gonna have a few more kids and so we got a different house and we're always chasing this next step, this dollar amount, right? Because that dollar amount will make us happy, right? If you're making 35, you know that making 47, you could be so content forever making 47. And if you're making 47, you just need to make 60. And if you're making 90, if you could make 100 like your cool friends that make six figures, you'd be content forever, because that's where security comes from, right? Is that dollar amount. And that's when we know that we'll be happy. And yet we make that dollar amount or we, we attain to that, that next step and we're never actually 
happy. It's because we're, we're looking to money to be our God. And money and possessions and things and accomplishments are terrible at being God. Jesus elaborates in the story. He goes on in verse 22. He says this, then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all of your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? We mentioned that we're not talking about wealth, right? We're not talking about, oh, when you make this, this amount of money, that's when you're wealthy and that's when you're rich and that's when you've gone too far. We're talking about greed. And ultimately, we're talking about a faith issue. Because if we can't, we can't decide that God is going to provide for us and God is going to take care of us, and if we can't trust him and we have to trust ourselves and we have to trust money, that's when our heart is in the wrong spot. Verse 29 says this, And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your father already knows your needs. Verse 31, seek the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything that you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven and the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is reminding us to seek the kingdom of God, to be rich toward God, to guard against greed, to guard against selfishness and make sure that we're living by faith to make sure that we're trusting God to provide for us, to take care of us. Here's some some takeaways I think that we can take out of this passage. Money is not a trophy. How do we know that money is not a trophy? Because as soon as we see people win trophies in sports, right, the next question is, do you think you can do it again next year? And it's the same with money. When we attain to something, we we, want to have the next step. We want to make that next amount, right? And so money's not a trophy. God created it. God put it in our lives. It has a purpose, but it's not a trophy. It's a tool. It's a tool that God gave us. It's not evil. It's not bad. Money is just kind of amoral, right? But money, money has the ability to be dangerous. And so I, I brought something to, uh, to show you guys today. Don't get too worried when I bring it out, right? It's not a live animal or anything like that. But uh, this, is, this is a tool. This is a chainsaw if you've lived in suburbia your whole life, Okay. Uh, you use it to cut down trees and limbs and things like that, okay? But this is, a, this is a tool that some of you have maybe never operated. This is one that I'm not supposed to operate. So when we got our new house, I bought, a, I bought an electric chainsaw that was this big, and I decided if it's bigger than this, if it requires more than this, I need to pay someone to do that job, right? Why did I make that decision? Because I've had family members get into a lot of trouble with a chainsaw, right? 
My, uh, my wife's grandfather got his jeans stuck in a chainsaw one time and cut his leg up pretty bad. And my father was taking a tree down and had a pretty bad accident. And my father-in-law is a safety manager for a construction company. And one day this guy got impatient waiting on a, another machine. And so he just kind of jumped down in a manhole and was going to chop something quick. And he hit a piece of metal and the chainsaw spun back and he literally decapitated himself. And my father-in-law had to fill out the report because that was his problem. And they said, why'd you teach that guy to get down in a hole with a chainsaw? And he's like, I didn't. I didn't teach him to do that. But a chainsaw is a dangerous tool, right? Now, now if you need to cut a limb or you need to do something at your house, you can get something done. But there's the potential there for some dangerous things to happen. Money is the same way. It's not a trophy. It's a tool. And God gave it to us to guide our hearts, to direct our hearts. And if we're not using it the right way, We can find that we're selfish and we can find that we're greedy and we can get ourselves in a whole lot of trouble very fast. Money's not a trophy, it's a tool and money cannot fulfill us. That's when we find ourselves in trouble, when we look for money to fulfill us, when we ask money to be our security, our fulfillment, our protection, our joy. Make me happy, money. Money's not good at that. Money's just good at making you want more and more unless you're using it the right way. Money is a tool and we have to use it to direct our hearts. That's this last one. Money guides our hearts. Jesus tells us that wherever our money is, is where our heart's going to be. And so we have to make a conscious choice to say, how am I going to direct my heart? How am I going to direct my mind? How am I going to direct my desires and the things that I'm focusing on? How am I going to direct that with money? I always find it fascinating when I'm around horses and sometimes people put blinders on them so that they can't be distracted or see the things that are beside them because they want them to see what's ahead. Money's kind of the same thing for us. Sometimes we just need to see what God's doing and what God's calling us to. We don't need to see the things that we're distracted with. We don't need to see the things that our eyes are on or the things that are taking our attention. We need to see what God wants us to see. Money's not a trophy, it's a tool. Money cannot fulfill us and money guides our hearts. Here's some some things that I just want to ask us today as we reflect on this passage though. If you're getting ready to tear down your barns, be careful. I know we don't own chainsaws. We don't own barns either, right? We live in suburbia. It's a metaphor. Just ride with me, all right? So, so if you're getting ready to tear down your barns, be careful. If you've been thinking, I need this house because I need this house. I need that car because that's the car that executives have. And I want to be an executive or I need to do this because all my friends are doing this. I know I could pay my loans off, but I need to go on that vacation too. If you find yourself desiring more and wanting more and looking for that accomplishment and that achievement and for money to make you happy, be careful. You might be knocking on the doorstep of of greed and greed is where the issues start. I think we need to ask ourselves this morning, could it be that worry is drowning out your faith? When we find ourselves being greedy, when we find ourselves being selfish, when we find ourselves just wanting to make a little bit more and be happy at that next step, You need to know that sometimes your greed and your selfishness has taken away your need for faith, your need for depending on God, for trusting God, for looking to God as your provider. And the third thing here, sometimes the first step of faith is obedience. Now, as we talk about this today, I want you to know the reason that we are called to give to God, the reason that we give back to God, the reason that we respond to God's goodness and worship him with our finances is because he loved us. He loved us at our worst and sent his son, Jesus, to give his life for us. And so we're not just doing this as mindless religion. We're not talking about this because it's what churches do. 
We're talking about this because this is how we direct a heart that's fully given to God. This is how we direct our heart that has been saved and redeemed by the blood of Jesus dying on the cross. And this is how we respond to his goodness. This is not religion. This is not following rules. This is our response to our relationship with God. But some of us, if I'm being honest, have have not been obedient. I want you to know that I don't, I don't see the weekly giving a movement church. I'm not like in my office with a monocle, like tallying things under a CPA lamp or whatever you see in movies, right? That's not my role. And I have no interest in doing that. But from time to time, I ask our, our finance teams for stats. And, and, and this week, if you're in a movement group, we're going to have a real practical conversation, a real heart to heart, looking at some of those stats and looking at where we're at. And here's what I want you to know. All throughout scripture, we see that giving was the the most obvious response to God's goodness. We see that at the beginning of the Old Testament. We see that even during the the times of law, when when Israel was living by rules, God asked them to give back 10% of what they had. We see that Jesus kind of raised the ante and said, I don't just want 10%. I want all of your heart. So you decide what that means. And we see in the New Testament where Paul said, I want you to excel at giving. I want you to grow in your giving. I want you to get better and better and better because that's a muscle that you need to flex. And that's the conversation that we want to have today. Say, I know that there are some of us that have never given. And I, if, if we're going to say that money is a tool that guides your heart, I want you to know that if, if you're not responding to God's goodness, if you're not responding with your finances, if you're not giving to God, you're not guiding your heart to be focused on him. If you're not being rich toward God, you're not focused on his kingdom and your mind and your eyes and your thoughts and your desires are not on the things that matter to him. And just for a moment, I don't mean to sound too religious or, or make rules, but I, I know that there, there are some of us that are not consistently doing that. Some of us that, that call movement home. That's why we wanted to have this conversation as part of this series, because I think for God to, to begin to, to grow us and grow our church and build on the foundation of our leadership in our lives, some of us need to take that step of obedience and say, I'm going to sacrificially give. I'm going to consistently give and do that. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch God grow me through that. That, that 10% rule and that, that 10% we see kind of all throughout scripture seems to be a good standard. And yet I'm sure that there are many people in this room that, that are not doing that. And I don't mean to attach shame or guilt. I just want you to know the words of Jesus that he said, we can use our money to guide our hearts. And if you want to guide your heart, that seems to be a great place to start. And so I had a, a conversation with our, our elders uh, before Christmas in preparing for this. And I asked him, I said, hey guys, do you trust me enough to say something kind of crazy? And they're like, we don't trust you, but say it anyway, Mark. So no, I think they trust me. They're pretty nice guys. So uh, there's, a, there's a passage in Malachi, Malachi 3.10, where God says, test me in this. It's the only time in scripture that God says, go ahead and test me. It's in reference to giving. He says, go ahead and give to me and see if you don't feel cared for. See if you don't feel provided for. See if you don't feel like I am your everything and I'm worth it. God's not saying, give me 10 bucks and you'll win the lottery next week. He's saying, give me your heart. Give me a significant portion of your income and of your money. Focus your mind and your heart on me and see if I'm not worth it. See if I'm not everything you need and want. And so I want to offer this challenge to us as a church, to a body, to to us as people and as friends. I want to challenge us to begin giving consistently. 
And if you're not giving consistently, I'd like to ask you to, to do that. If, if you feel like maybe you've been holding back and just kind of throwing a, a 20 in and not really thinking about it, and you don't want to know what percentage it is because it's a low one, I want to challenge you to consistently for the first time in your life, give 10%. I want to I challenge you to be generous to God and give your heart to him, to control your heart and guide your heart by giving your finances to him. And here's why I ask the elders, because I want you to know that if you do that for 60 days, that's, that's the challenge. I'd love to see you give for 60 days. If you feel at the end of that 60 days that that wasn't worth it, if you haven't felt your heart has been focused on God, if you haven't felt that you've seen God as your provider, if you haven't seen more of God and felt more in tune with his church and you haven't felt that being rich toward him was worth it, or that you think that this church and our vision and our staffing and the things that we're doing and the outreach things we're doing, we we used your money improperly or it wasn't worth it, I give you my word. You send me an email and we will give your money back. If you feel that it was a waste, God says, test me in this. So I'm I'm asking you to test him. Focus your heart on God and on his kingdom and on what he's doing. Use money as the tool that it is. It's a dangerous tool, so use it right. And if you think it's not worth it at the end of 60 days, I give you my word that we will give your money back. Joyfully, in fact, because I'm willing to bet, I'm willing to test my God and I'm willing to bet that he's worth it and that he's your provider and that he will do everything that he said he will do. And I promise you that you will feel closer to him. You will feel more in tune with him. And if not, that's fine. It won't be a big deal. You can ask for that money back and it's yours because no one in here is our provider anyway, right? God is our provider. God is the one that grows this church and makes this church work. It's our job to be obedient to him and to view our money as a tool that focuses our hearts on him. I want to challenge you in that today. Not a guilt trip, not some religious talk. We don't have some water bill that we need to pay or something like that. But I believe in what God's doing at our church. I believe in our vision and I believe in the ways that he wants to grow us and the impact that we can have years from now as we build on the foundation of our lives and our hearts. Let's pray together. God, thank you for all of the gifts you've given us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, Thank you that we can respond to that gift with our lives. God, thank you that one of the ways that we can respond, one of the tools that you've given us is money. Lord, we don't want to be a church that lives by rules. We don't want to be a church that lives by fake man-made efforts, but we want to be a church that's focused on you and focused on your kingdom and focused on being rich toward you. And we know that that begins with our finances, Lord. I can't begin to understand all the complexity or all the psychology or all the worry and all of the different things that we attach to money, Lord, but you knew all those things when time began and you built this system and you gave it to us as a gift to lead ourselves and to focus our hearts on you. So help us to be focused on you. Help us to be given on you. Help us to be obedient to you, Lord. Help us to not be selfish. Help us to know that it's our job to respond to your goodness to excel in responding to your goodness, to push ourselves in responding to your goodness and to grow in that. Lord, if we're not growing, if we're stagnant, we don't have to look at others. We don't have to point the finger. We just have to ask ourselves, are we giving to you? Are we responding to your goodness? God, I pray that this will be a time of growth these next 60 days for our church, a time where we see our hearts given to God and our hearts led to care about your kingdom and be rich toward you. Lord, it's in your son's name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We hope wherever you are, this message encouraged you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. 
For more information about Movement Church, including attending a worship experience, getting connected, or giving online, please visit movementcolumbus.com.